This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Check them ropes. Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino here on uh, your Memorial Day weekend. Hope you guys are staying safe. Do not get into fights with people, whether or not they are wearing masks, please. Just be safe on your own. Handle your business. Try and stay away from people who aren't handling them. And please listen to what people at stores tell you to do. They work for the store. Yes. You know, just... (laughs) Don't be be the 10% of morons out there. That's all I ask. That's... (laughs) Oh, but it's weird because, like, I'm, I'm like, I'm a guy who likes swimming, and I'm a guy who likes water parks, as people on this thing know. And I'm supposed to be in Vegas this weekend, and I was looking forward to maybe hitting their water park that they opened two years ago up there. And just a weird time, still, Chris. Yeah, and now they are starting to say that it's safe to do things like go for a hike, which you kind of figured anyways, but. I'm now, you know, trying to figure out how I might be able to get away here for a couple of days over a weekend and go somewhere, maybe up in Oklahoma or something, somewhere fairly remote and just take a hike just to get out and be in nature. Um, you can definitely still do that. And, you know, that's that's a good thing to do. Yeah, so this week has sucked pretty much for those of us in the wrestling community. We're a bit of a tight-knit group, especially those of us in the internet wrestling community, the IWC, if you will. Um, (laughs) When you say it like that, it almost sounds cool. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? We're so not. Uh, But uh, longtime 411wrestling.com reviewer Larry Zonka passed away. Uh, Larry was very friendly with Shake Them Ropes. Uh, he, He and I had many a conversation in the DMs from time to time, uh, very similar senses of humor and reference points. Um, I wouldn't say we were friends, but we were very friendly. It was always nice to get a like from his account on a joke I made. And he always, he told, he correct me occasionally when I like to joke, and we'd sometimes test material with each other. Um, especially started talking to him after his, uh, the amputation of his leg, which, um, he was having some issues with the insurance company getting the top of the line replacement. He was, he was so devastated when they said no. So, I mean, myself and Sean Ross Sapp and a few others were trying to get something together and he just, he wouldn't take our help. He, you know, I, I, and I respect that. I, I respect that. Hey man, appreciate that. But you know, no thanks. And I was like, okay, great. Um, this gutted me because I love his reviews. He, he reviewed everything. And when I was out at night doing nightclubs and being a hack comedian everywhere, you know, if I missed a show, I could read his review. And as opposed to like Hyatt and Scott Keith, who's really were a little bit more trying to pop the reader with funny stuff. He was just more of the historical reference guy that you know just knew and watched everything and could refer to it and that is a much 
harder beat to do. No knock on being funny. Being funny is actually hard work if you're going to do it at a consistent level. I wouldn't sure. know. <laughs> I struggle with it on a daily basis. It's the only reason I know it's hard. But um, so what Larry did that I've always had a deep, deep admiration for, and I, I have, you know, some friends who are like historians of American history and that sort of thing, and they're really good at this too, and it always razzle dazzles me, is like a great ability to absorb just tons and tons of raw data, all statistics, you know, not, not as much statistics when it comes to wrestling, but he could remember all these different matches, different spots in different matches, really weigh A against B in a way where it didn't feel like Larry was just throwing ratings around. It was actually trying to more what he was currently rating in, in the context of the history of wrestling as best he understood it. And I have a deep admiration for someone who can do that because, I mean, you know, like, look, I'll get right into it. I, I watch what's in front of me on a week-to-week basis, and all I can do is I can't remember anything that happened nine months ago in any facet of my life, let I'm alone. Way now. I, I just – it was one of those things where I used to be able to remember everything, and then there just became so much wrestling. And this happened around, like, the Attitude Era especially. Like, I'll listen to, like, Five Star Match Game or whatever, and, like, Kreich – can just remember all because it was the wrestling of his youth. So he just remembers everything from the attitude. And I can remember the the stuff from my childhood too, but like the stuff we're watching now, it's like in one ear out the other in months. It's background noise for me. I'll put on, I'll be playing my WWE champions on my phone or something, (laughs) and you know, maybe something will pop me, maybe something won't. But um, if you have a few bucks that you can spare, I know it's tough times right now. Go to the go to the GoFundMe if you need the address. Let me know. I'll DM it to you. Um, they're trying to pay off both funeral expenses and the old medical expenses from when Larry went to the hospital and was getting his rehab and stuff. And um, they're doing well on the, on the thing. I thought the number was a bit high, but they seem to be getting the money. And I I, uh, I was just absolutely wrecked on Monday. I just I, I was having a hard. I was trying to work at the same time. I just could not concentrate. Larry. So this is a really tough week for great fathers, like <sighs> like losing great fathers. And Larry, obviously a great father. And I mean, the other thing, like I didn't know him um, at all. Like we, we didn't really interact on that level. But like, I, I mean, I am part of the IWC, if you will. Uh, and seeing everyone commenting on Larry and on his work, I'm sure for someone who puts so much of his life's energy into his work to see the unanimous praise for Larry's life work is, is such a tremendous testament to the guy. And, and, and even guys in the industry, like Kevin Owens was retweeting his GoFundMe and, and putting over Larry. So, I mean, if, if yeah. guys are actually, see, that's the weird thing. If guys in the industry actually like your work, that's an added thing as opposed to just us geeks who criticize stuff all it the time. It means something to the business. Like, you know, in, in some small way, and, you know, and, the, and that's important, man. And that's what he wanted to do. And he was part of it. Uh, what a wonderful thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, it's just, it's, it's horrible that we won't have his reviews from now on to be able to cheat off of, which I have most certainly done. <laughs> no, I remember when I first started going to shows live, cause I had never really been a WrestleMania guy or whatever. I asked him if he was going and he wanted to wait until his daughter was older. And now I think he has, two daughters <laughs> that's how long ago this was but uh 
Yeah, just, just, I mean, just heartbreaking. And then local to me, uh, Shad Gaspard, half of Crime Time, got caught in a rip current last weekend. Uh, saved his, they say, asked for them to save his son. They did, but in the meantime, he got dragged under while they were body surfing. Body surfing has risk to it. I'm, I had met Shad once or twice in Vegas during the uh, figure four convention, just nice guy. But he was also um, Christian Rosenberg, AKA Josh Tariff has been a guest of the show. He's friends with him. He's kind of in that, he's in that mix of wrestlers who would come to wrestling slash improv shows when the two intermingled. So, I mean, but you'd always see him like at an indie show out here occasionally, you know, behind the curtain or something watching because he didn't want to be bothered or anything. Um, friends with a lot of my friends. He was also trying to get into acting and doing the auditioning thing. Had a few roles out here, so you'd see he, him on auditions. Modeling for God of War. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. yeah. But you know, you'd see him at like the the casting houses. He'd be, you know, we'd be, I'd be at like, <laughs> I'd be going into door number four. He'd be going into one where you know there's bigger money involved. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that story. You know, the moment when the divers call off the search, you get that pit in your yeah, stomach. Yeah, no, it, right? It, it, that, that breaks your heart. Every, every time you read that headline, it's, oh, man, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, divers call off search. You go, that's, that's it, guys, unless, unless it's a one in a million shot. But uh, rip currents out here especially are. They're really dangerous, and you think vicious, you're a good yeah. swimmer, and, and – you can be big and strong and powerful. And the thing is with the ocean, it will drag you in a rip current will. Yeah. And, and a human body can't overcome some of that stuff. It's rough. They also have a GoFundMe. Um, you know, if, if, if you can give to both highly recommend, I mean, look, that's just, I, I'm also plays into a personal fear. Uh, I don't want to make this about. I always have had a fear of drowning, so I'm always, I'm always struck by these types of stories. And look, man, I mean, <laughs> to give up your life for another, there's no, there's no greater sacrifice on earth. And he did that for his kid. And you know, those of us without kids can't understand that on any level. Yeah, I, I always just look on it with a deep, deep awe. Um, I mean, I, I guess. The best understanding of it I have comes from my own family. I don't necessarily want to get into that. But uh, the other thing is uh, this week in wrestling, uh, the vice, the dark side of the ring. Oh, the to relive. Yeah. yeah, the Owen stuff. Uh, and that was – that really wrecked me because it's hard to listen to Owen's family talk about him, not because it's hard to listen to, but because it's so obvious how much he loved them how positive their memories are of him, how much they miss him, and also how happy and proud he would have been to see his children grow up to be happy, successful adults. Yeah, I go towards the dark part, and I just look at it and go, look at how half-assed WWE did this stunt when they knew that there were dangers involved. Look at how they treated her in the courtroom by trying to extend this out until she eventually came up with a number for them to pay 
And of course, just the the fake. We'll put him in the Hall of Fame type of. I I I get angry at those types of things. If you want to hear a woman, no, I, I totally I totally get it. I just well, one, it was a more natural segue to talk about great fathers or whatever to. Yeah, you know, no, you're, you're right. Right. I messed that But up. but also, I do think it's really important these stories. It's not just that WWE. Um, or WWF at this time, same company, Vince McMahon as this manager, half-assed this stunt that didn't need to happen. That caliper, man, I saw that caliper, and I had the same, I had the Arthur gif, you know, the the fist, man. Like, mm-hmm. it made me angry, dude. Because uh, you see that, and you know it's completely preventable. It's, I mean, it's a wonderful thing that Max Mini was not involved in that stunt. Because uh, I think that could have been horrible. Um, it, I mean, it could have been horrible for Jimmy Corderas in the ring there, too. Mm-hmm. I, hearing them recap it, you're reminded again, oh, yeah, there are other people in the ring who Owen could have fallen on, and multiple people could have been killed in that situation uh, like or injured in that situation. It, like, it, and it's a situation that absolutely did not need to happen, was 100% preventable, and Vince – can't look himself in the mirror organizationally or on a personal level and just do the right thing. And they just want to kind of make it up by putting, there is no hall of fame doing a ceremony at their annual hall of fame <laughs> show thing. Like, like I, we need to stop saying put in the hall of fame. We'll get one there, last pop guys for 500 bucks no in a put. ring. There is no put, there is no pudding. There's a show. You, you you go and you appear at the show or you don't appear at the show and they play a little presentation yeah. and that's it. Um, but there's no I, – I can't go and visit the Hall of Fame this year. There's no place to go to. And it would be lame if you could, too. It would be like a lame <laughs> as well. Like they, they'd slap that thing together. Yeah, I. but if you want to hear, I'm going to plug audio for another site. Listen to the free interview that Dave Meltzer and Jim Valley did with Martha Hart. And that is a woman with a good head on her shoulders. She's she's dealt with this, but she's also used it for good. She has a she has that Owen Hart Foundation. What she does with it is awesome. There's a there, it, it's very plug heavy about the Owen Hart Foundation. I'm going to warn you about that. And it sounds like she's shilling hard, but you can tell that it means the world to her. Well, and where else is she going to get a platform? I, I have. I would say this, guys: don't begrudge her. Yeah. For doing that, because she has an opportunity this week to take advantage of her exposure, and she ought to be doing that. It's not quote unquote shilling. This is what she's doing, and she's doing it in honor of Owen. So, she if went you're to a fan of Owen Hart, after this, and she's now putting a kid through Cambridge. They're also successful and yeah. happy, and it, it's it's the damnedest shame that Owen's not there to be part of that because that's where his heart was so on to wrestling if if there's a good segue to it i don't know what it is so we'll go on to wrestling moments after we went off the air last week after recording this it was turns out that uh drew gulak had wrestled his last match with wwe um after doing the intercontinental match on friday against daniel bryan that we really liked it turns out they had uh done contract negotiations and i believe drew was on his nxt 205 live deal still asked for more money and wwe said no thank you and drew said fine i'm out of here which perfectly acceptable to me do that because look i mean 
Some people like the safety of the paycheck. Some people like the art. I think Drew Gulak's the latter. I don't know if he sh- if he's the mystery guy at this double or nothing or not. I tend to think it's going to be Zach Ryder, whatever name he's going to be using. But I would not be surprised. Um, but at the same time, there's some rumors that he and Cody don't get along uh, due to an incident involved. But uh, the legacy of Drew Gulak to me in WWE is a guy who outkicked his coverage. Because when I watched him on the indies, you know, you watch the grapple F matches with Tim Thatcher and, you know, you know, he's a very skilled wrestler, you know, a little light on the charisma. And then you'd see, uh, was it uh catch point and, you know, okay, this is a fun little gimmick here, but then he gets into sports entertainment world. And all of a sudden he's that PowerPoint gimmick that the campaign, the politician to make a better two Oh five live. The second he got, the news from the 1980s music as intro, it was a whole new day for this guy. And and when he became the head of 205 and he was kind of the leader of that faction, we got to see him really leading a faction, but then we got to see the comedic side. And that actually were pretty good. And there were some really fun things too, Mm -hmm. like uh, like a Tanahashi reference in one of those slideshows and a Tiger Mask reference in one of those slideshows. Like Gulak figured out, how to be funny it's it's who he always reminded me of in in some ways is dean malenko but when dean malenko came to wwe they goofed him up you know by making him a ladies man or whatever it's like drew gulak actually got the weird charisma injection and like all the weird wwe flavoring but with him it actually took because like normally they overdo it and with drew gulak you can only quote unquote overdo it with this guy so much yeah, and, you know, it's funny when, when they finally put him on the main roster, you knew it was just to lose to big guys. So, you know, he'd do the cheap heel thing and then get beaten like 30 seconds. But once he got over to SmackDown and part of the Daniel Bryan Vanity Federation. And, and the problem with that federation is it kind of fell apart because you don't have Sami Zayn there either. Right, a little bit. But, man, I was loving him in this role. I love that the fact that he's just – He's a competitor, and they were enemies. And then once he started training them, even though they had to compete against each other, they were still friends. It was, it was just a fantastic little storyline they were doing there. Yeah, it was Rocky and Apollo. Mm-hmm. And it, like in the Rocky Three storyline where you know, uh, Apollo is giving him the eye of the tiger. <laughs> hey, woman. Sorry. <laughs> I'll go to my clever Lang, who's a very underrated villain. But, yeah, no, I'm uh, – I'm interested to see what happens with him. I don't, I just, you know, he could do new Japan, best of the super juniors. ROH is out there. TNA, maybe AEW. I just don't know. I I just don't, I wouldn't shock me, but AEW is getting a little roster heavy, even though, (laughs) even though nobody seems to be coming into for the tapings, but you look at their roster, it's bigger than you think. Yeah. They have a big roster. They just, I mean, with AEW, they have a lot of guys who are all on the same level right now. Yeah, and it, yeah it, does, it doesn't feel like there's real rankings, and you know, the top guys don't feel that far elevated above the lowest guys, uh, especially like once you get into the tag division or whatever. The fact that Kazarian and Scorpio Sky can get a world title shot, and that feels plausible in AEW's universe kind of speaks to uh, a a planing of everybody, you know? 
Yeah, speaking of AEW, I was trying to decide which story I wanted to go with. Uh, Britt Baker, torn ACL, it looks like, due to that spot with Statlander and Nyla Rose, and you're just like... Good Lord. This is someone who just, just got the character going, and this kills her momentum. More importantly, she is the real anchor charismatically of this division. I don't have faith in Nyla Rose to carry this for any length of time. She is a better version of Nia Jax, but it's, it's not enough. It's not enough. And Statlander's uh, uh, just lacking. Raw. Uh, yeah. We'll raw. raw and be generous. Yeah. Um, I love Sheeta. I like Riho. I just. Sheeta's the only one who's a real keeper to me yeah. out of all of the ones that we've talked about, though. Yeah, I, I would agree there. I'm, I'm, I don't know. This women's division frustrates me. And, and apparently Tony Khan has taken over the reins of it from Kenny. And and now this is happening, and it's really, it's really showing that they should have signed some of these people they were using at this time last year for that battle royal. Because you had Mercedes Martinez and Nicole Savoy and others out there, and they're just, they're off the table now. So it's Mercedes Martinez would be over there right now and be an easy top level championship contender type of person, either working as underdog or working as the top heel. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. I'm, I, it, it's a little frustrating. Are you watching double or nothing this weekend? Yeah, I'll get around to it. Sure. I think so. I I'm, I'm probably going to end up watching live. I'm, I'm down on it more than most people. I just thought this go home show was a nothing show. Yeah. This was a total nothing go home show for this is a WWE level go home show. And it, this is like a main roster level go home show. And the numbers just barely outperformed NXT. Yeah. And (laughs) I remember that. Well, total viewers said, well, the demo is what's important, Jeff. I'm like, that's fine. But, the fact is both these products are, you know, usually losing to like Guy Fieri's grocery games and stuff. Yeah, the overall number has to kick in, right? I, the one, I, the question I asked you, and I think is, I think getting increasingly important when we're looking at these numbers is, what is the lead-in doing on USA and on TNT? And how much of this is just, I'm leaving the channel on people? at this point yeah because usa the lead-in is either chicago pd or law and order you know svu pt s x f whatever you know and then on tnt it's a movie that they play 30 times over the week yeah and i, <laughs> I want to see what like the actual lead-in migration is um and, and, and like what we're really able to tease out but but really more importantly than all of that is you know, i i see people talking about one property being the hot property and one property not being the hot property. The numbers keep going down, y'all. We started with 3 million. We're under 1.5 million. People are fighting about being the tallest short person. They're, you know what I mean? Like they, I don't, there's, this isn't a grand accomplishment that is occurring here. Well, AEW has to me a bigger problem and that is, there's no heat in any of these programs, really. It, it's 
The Mr. Brody Lee stuff is, I mean, they're a main event level. That's not a main event level. There are wrestling fans who don't get that gimmick either. You know what I mean? Like, I I get it. Obviously, he's doing a Vince McMahon gimmick. But there are casuals who will watch that, and they don't know enough about Vince McMahon, the actual person, to know what Mr. Brody Lee is even lancing at here. Because if you watch WWE television, Mr. McMahon has not been an on-screen character with any regularity in several years now. Yeah, it's it's the inside joke type stuff that everybody's kind of playing into, and then and then the other big match is that uh, stadium, is it Stadium Stampede or Stadium Survival? I've got the alliteration on it, but when you're going into blood and guts, then you know originally when it was supposed to be in New Jersey, I believe, it felt like the inner circle and the elite was a hot feud, and now it's a cutesy. You know, you have this Damascus character involved. You have the bubbly bunch with your heels doing comedy videos and stuff. It just doesn't feel like there should be a blood and guts type of, you know, uh, of a blood feud. And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not moved by a lot of it. The Jake Arn stuff was okay. Like okay, favorite- though. Okay, though. Yeah. Not not great like when they're like everyone wanted to see jake and arm go at it i'm like that may have been true i don't know that that's true in 2020 and even murder hawk monster lance archer the cool badassery that that initial vignette where he was just beating up random people like you know out in the woods or whatever like that was cool whatever mystique he once had with that it's gone because he comes out and he just like throws like a random NPC out onto the entrance. Like it's part of his entrance now. It's not randomly brutal. It's actually something one can account for. And it's almost done to the point of comedy. And it takes away from the mystique of Lance Archer. I still chuckle every time I see that damn truck though. (laughs) Man, they they edited that thing to look so cool, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the one thing on AEW that I really like, I loved the Orange Cassidy Phoenix match. I thought that was great, but uh, boy, that post match where everybody just decided to cosplay Miz in terms of catching people who were diving, that was a bit dangerous, but. I, I thought it was a tribute to Super Kolo. <laughs> it's a yeah, bit no, of a deep cut here, I, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I think it'll probably be a fun show. It's still not. I, I got to agree with the people who are going, man. I'm missing crowds at this point. Like, uh, I mean, good crowds, not just a couple. Yeah, I don't know the crowds are missing this, though. And I think that that is going to be the problem here. And, I mean, even with the Orange Cassidy, you're right, dude. Orange Cassidy and Phoenix was a really good Orange Cassidy match. But the Orange Cassidy gimmick has, like, an obvious shelf life. No, but, I mean, in terms of the work, though, he's, he's No, the really work, no, great. he's awesome. He's, he's a, a great Ricky Morton-type babyface that just yeah, dies a, when he gets killed. He also doesn't need to be part of the best friends anymore. Like, yes. like he needs to float around and do other things, and, and I'm with you. He's totally a Ricky Morton. He's great in a tag team. He needs to be in a tag team. He needs to be the guy getting heat. Or he needs to be the hot tag. Kind of conversely, you have, like, you could, you could do another thing where you have the big guy – that's the guy who gets all the heat on him. And then it's up to Orange Cassidy to come in and save the day if you want to go comedy with it and invert sort of expectations. No, he's an interesting guy. But I also need more layers than what they're giving me at this point, too, with him. 
Yeah, there's a dearth of quality on WWE, so it's weird. Um, because I, as I, I was thinking while while you're talking, it's like there's only three things on any show across the platforms that I liked, and one of them happened tonight before we went to air. So we're gonna. You want to start there? We can start there. We're pivoting over to the WWE and the main roster. Raw was three hours with a half hour worth of wrestling, and two and a half hours worth of just junk junk chris i i did fall asleep for about an hour some i watched the show live and that was a mistake because during one of those commercial breaks i just and i went went to sleep and didn't come back uh, I mean, until we were cracking uh, jokes throughout I mean, some of yes that cannot be repeated here because they are in bad taste <laughs> our dm threads are getting cheeky these days yeah i uh I don't know. I kind of want to make the joke, but I don't want to because I'm afraid somebody's going to get offended by it after I... No, no. Then, then discretion is the better part of valor. You are correct. Um, But, man, we, we had axe-throwing competitions. We, uh, there's, the, the, one, the one interesting thing was I actually liked the execution of Los Ingobernables Orlando turning on Austin Theory, and then Austin Theory not automatically becoming a babyface but later joining with Seth Rollins. No, it parallels what happened with Buddy Murphy. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I like this. I actually thought that this was really cool. Um, and I thought it was going really well right up until they got ham-handed and beat you over the head with what Joe Lanza refers to as the subtlety hammer with the fact that Buddy Murphy hates Austin Theory. I feel like the first week, it should have been like, ah, the more the merrier. And Buddy Murphy and Austin Theory should have had great synergy. And I actually think initially they should have really good – it's not going to work because we've already got like three or four beats ahead of the story. But for the first several weeks, I would have had Rollin having Murphy and Theory working like a well-oiled machine. And then Murphy starts getting mad at Austin Theory. because yeah, no, preferring you're exactly right. This is like a one-year program, and they're going to truncate it into three weeks. And it should be, you know, it should be at first. Austin's a great part of the team. He's doing well. He and Murphy are getting wins. You know, everybody's getting singles wins. Everybody's helping each other. And, you know, and then, you know, maybe in the tag team, Austin starts getting a little bit flashy. You know, maybe he loses a match because he's flashy or maybe he's just trying to show off or something like that. And then eventually says we're better than the shield. And that's what gets the ire of Seth Rollins. Yeah, well, but, but what I was thinking is, you know, eventually, because they're winning so much, there's an opportunity singles-wise. And Murphy loses, but maybe Austin Theory gets the next opportunity and he wins, and that causes the seeds of jealousy, like for maybe the U.S. title or whatever. And, and then you do that, and then you start, you know, and then you start trying to curry favor with Seth, and then Seth has to choose or something of that effect, but it feels like they're going to rush this, and this could go on for a long, it, long time. It won't feel like they're going to rush this. When you've gotten to the point where Murphy's already registering palpable contempt, we've already skipped so yes, much yes. of the interesting setup section of the story. Yeah, we, we've skipped the prologue and immediately gone to the climax of the Which story. Which is where all just... the fun is. All the fun is in the setup because the ending is the ending. The, the, the team splits up. We understand that. The fun part is how we get there. The, the joy is in the journey, not in the finishing. We need narrative satisfaction. Speaking of which, 
uh, credit where credit is due because they are doing that with this Sasha and Bailey story. I number one, this match was such a joy to me. I loved Bailey and Charlotte Flair. I believe it's uh, I believe it was Sean Ross Sapp who really hit it home. These empty arenas, the one person that has helped most of all is Bailey because her banter in the ring and with Michael Cole is absolutely fantastic. Charlotte, who knows if she's a baby face or heel at any given time because they're But it works cheating. in this match. No, it wor- no, it actually works better that it's essentially a heel versus heel match with baby trending towards baby faceish tendencies, but the story of the match here is that Bailey is going to out heel the heel. So Charlotte's still working kind of heelish and ba- Bailey now that she's gone through this Aunt Pam phase, she's now at this point where she knows how to use the ropes and stuff. Stuff that the old Bailey didn't know. So it's a form of maturation for this Bailey. Like this was a way more cerebral television match for WWE than they even do in terms of narrative wise on their pay-per-views. Like there's a lot going on in this match. And I'll uh, add some more layers to it. Before the match, our girl Aunt Pam tells her sassy friend Sasha, I don't want your help because I think I can beat Charlotte on my own. And of course there's that lingering jealousy, you know, after last week with Charlotte. And that's all baby faces too. Yeah. And Charlotte's calling out Sasha during the match and Sasha doesn't come out, which can be taken both ways. It can be taken as Sasha's not going to help Bailey, but it can also be taken as Sasha's really friends with Bailey and, and is doing exactly what she said and is not going to fall for the cheap parlor tricks of Charlotte here. It was intelligent heel work. Or, or a- Charlotte already has a deal going with, with Sasha, and we just don't know it yet. Oh, good Lord. I didn't even ponder that, but that I don't know if that would work, but I'll take it. Um, but, you know, these, these characters are acting intelligently, and the match was great. I, <laughs> it's still weird to me to watch Bailey as a heel, but I, the thing that she does so well to me is she sells and bumps for people. Like, she's just a ragdoll in there for Charlotte this week. She was like that with Tamina in that match. And you didn't see that when she was a babyface for the most part because she was trying to get sympathy. So she'd always kind of be playing to the crowd with the hangdog look as opposed to now where she's just getting thrown all over the place and just taking wild bumps. She is, she, you are right. She is maturing into this character before our eyes. And it gives wrinkles to her when she becomes a baby face again because now she is wizened, she's more worldly, she knows how to cheat. And that was the story of this match. She's working as the underdog baby face heel against Charlotte, who is the overdog heel baby face. It's a weird it's a weird match but it makes tons of sense and it's very very satisfying in terms of the narrative. We need to talk a bit about Charlotte. This is a perfect time. Sure. Chris, she is on all three shows. This is overkill. This is absolute overkill of Charlotte. And I look, don't get me The people wrong. love Charlotte. They want more Charlotte. You well, hear that all the time. It 
feels almost like panic on Vince's part that our biggest star, Becky Lynch, is off the shelf. I need to create a new star. So I'm going to Roman Reigns Charlotte on every show. I'm going to Poochie Charlotte on every show. If Charlotte's not on the screen, we're talking about Charlotte because she was on NXT doing a run-in this week. She was on Friday night SmackDown. She's going to be in a number one contenders match for the Raw women's title. I think Charlotte is talented as hell athletically. I think her character suffers because she's far too powerful. She, and there's no character development there. But I swear it seems like almost they're going to have her go through all three rosters to build her and make her the main star. And I just think, look, it, it happened with Becky. This is how Becky became a baby face is we wanted Charlotte to be this big, strong baby face to take on Ronda Rousey, and the crowd caught on to it. And we're going to get there again. If she wins this number one contenders match for any reason, I don't think she is because Nia Jax is involved, but, and she possibly wins the Raw Women's title while, you know, maybe dropping the NXT title and not being involved in the fall. It's just, it's too much. Yeah, I think they've overheated her. It'll be really interesting to see how she's received when we get back in front of crowds. Because I think the other big problem with Charlotte, especially with the way that they want to use her so heavily, is that her character is boring as hell. On it's the a character. It's an absolute yeah. system character. She does the pose. She has the peacocking. She says the woo. Charlotte. Ashley is not Charlotte. Ashley is playing Charlotte. And like, Mm -hmm. there is no, I don't, I couldn't just like have an NBA game on with Charlotte in the room and Charlotte's being Charlotte because Ashley wouldn't know what Charlotte says just eating a ham sandwich. Ashley wouldn't know what Charlotte says just watching the game. And Ric Flair could be Ric Flair doing anything being on a roller coaster, going to a mortuary. Like, Ric Flair could be Ric Flair anywhere if he wanted to be. I don't know if they do communications classes anymore on the main roster. I know they used to. But if I'm running an acting workshop of any kind, I, I really would like at this point to bring up Charlotte and go, you can't use a single catchphrase that you normally use. Cut me a promo that will bring me into the building about either Sasha or Bailey, because those are her friends, so that'd be the easiest to do it. And I'd like to see what happens. Because I'd really like to see this character do something except corporate WWE speak. Because because it's an interesting... Like, could she be a female Ric Flair? And the titles aren't going to get her there. The titles will get her, you know, the, well, like we said, the WWE Hall of Fame ring and stuff. But, and I know promos aren't big with, with Vince. that He likes doing expositiony dialogue. But, Mike, I, I just want to see Charlotte cut a money promo and see if she could do it. I just want her to embody something more than, like, a female rick flair cover band yeah like right now it's kind of like watching this is a really good band too like have you seen zeparella 
the all-female tribute bands. Yeah, so I love that the version of, uh, Dude, no, they're awesome. They're, they're, they're a fantastic band. Go and check them out if you never checked them out. It's not like a knockoff, but like, you know, Led Zeppelin's Led Zeppelin, right? Um, and Charlotte is, is an awesome, awesome performer. Um, the other knock, though, on her is that, like, I don't feel like Charlotte's matches – with, with, like tonight was a good one where it felt like they were like having a match, but sometimes it feels like Charlotte's just kind of like rushing through spots and there's no real story to that, but that's a bigger WWE problem too. I also think, I think I wanted her to be upset about getting beat rather than ha ha. You got me. I, I don't know that yet. Cause I don't, I don't gonna- know. No, I, it, I could go back and forth on that, but I feel like the, you got me. Ah, Okay. I see how it is because, like, she's the dirty. She's the daughter of the dirtiest player in the game. Game yeah. respect game. Well, do you want to go? Do you want her to go hard then into the? Maybe she's angry for a second, but then she, you know, maybe applauds the treachery type of thing, like you know, tipping the cap to the person who outsmarted her, as opposed to just kind of laughing to herself. Yeah. See, I, I, yeah, I just don't know because. Like, I don't know that, that NXT and she'll be a heel. Here she's kind of a uh, ang- uh, like a, a a trickster baby face, which is so weird. The bigger I mean, problem is the inconsistent characterization, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, like is is she a baby face heel, a heel baby face? But like she's sitting in this weird tweenery status, and it's uncommon. Like I can't think of an analogy to have someone this heavily exposed and occupying true gray neutral right now while being the top person. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I, I just don't know. I, 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 it's, she's a presence and, and it's, it's an ongoing presence. But it's not but like a hot, you know, hot gray neutral presence that's like really overbearing and really feels like a cloud over everything right now. It's just that she's on everything. Yeah, she's gonna, you know, you're gonna hear the music. She's gonna do the woo. She's gonna do the spin. You know, she's gonna take it off. She's gonna talk down to everybody, and she's gonna say, "Woo, I'm the queen." The and theme then, song's even a problem. I, I think she needs to get past the, having. I like know, the theme song. I, 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 I like the I liked the theme song initially, but that musical cue immediately makes you compare her to Rick, whether yeah. you're thinking about it consciously or not. And every time she under delivers, you're thinking about it as she leaves the ring. Cause you hear the music again. Let me get pantsuit Charlotte, like Ric Flair and the, and the Michaels of Kansas city, you know, the custom made suits, get, get me custom made Charlotte. Right. Right. And, and she really does need to have, a, you know, a horsewomen faction for some length of time too. You know what I mean? Like, like, part of what made Flair Flair is, you know, having the four horsemen. Yeah, and having guys to play off of it, even. I mean, it, you know, he's the type of guy that would have a gang of jerks. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. She kind of had that thing going, but it was so – you remember when they first made Bailey the, the, the secret partner of uh, Sasha at Battleground? I think it was 2017, I want to say. And they were covered, having, I don't remember anything from like okay. nine months ago. But they had, but Dana Brooke was kind of playing mini me Charlotte Flair because Emma had, had been cut. Yes, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's how they play the gangs, though. They, you know, they do. 
we know how they do stables. It's a couple of flunkies and the and the person that they think is important. And I just I, and that gets to the other problem. Like, why is why is Charlotte going to have a hard time getting to flourish statuses? It's because of that presentation issue, and that's not just a problem on the women's side. It's more of a problem on the women's side because of historical issues presenting the women on the product. But you see it with Drew McIntyre too. I mean, it, there's a lot of analogies between Charlotte and Drew's presentation or, like, the inability to really kind of put it all together with these people. Yeah. It's almost like they're they're building them in a marketing lab as opposed to as a pro wrestler sometimes. Uh, the other thing that drew my attention that I thought was really good, I loved that, Drew, that Drake Maverick-Kashida match. Drake Maverick is great. I love that Drake Maverick promo too. Yeah, to lead in. Oh man, that got me. I, which is dumb because I, like, I, you know, it's, like it's WWE, but like it was good. He's really good, and like that's a that's a unique skill. And he's got it. Chris, they are playing this tune. I mean, given that NXT to me has become really sports entertainment with yellow ropes now, as opposed to a wrestling federation that it used to be. Yeah, right. No, it, it, and I don't think that that's going to change when they get back in front of a crowd or anything either. This is just the Wednesday sports entertainment brand. They are playing this tune so, so well. And it's going to be an absolute gut punch when he doesn't win this triple threat. But if he's really fired after this triple threat, what was the point of pulling our heartstrings this entire time? That's what I don't get. So I think he is going to make it to the finals and then he's going to lose because Ehel Del Fantasma is going to unveil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But the, the other way I do see this, this could play out is that Jake Atlas is totally working it and like a complete savage creep on Drake Maverick during that match. And he's the actual heel in that match. Um, It's not Kushida. It's not Drake Maverick. It's Atlas, and Atlas is going to snap. But Maverick still finds a way to win the match. Yeah, that's interesting. I I thought it'd be great if, you know, you had the moral conflict with Jake Atlas. Even though it's it's been kind of terribly built. There's a story there that's good. They just didn't find it with Jake Atlas rooting for Drake Maverick and absolutely being crushed that he has to be the guy to beat him. But there's going to be that moment, kind of like the Otis uh, Braun thing from last week, where it's like, you can either win and go on to this title thing, or you can, or you can be nice and not take advantage of this situation right now. And everything to me says that you should have Jake Atlas take advantage of that and crush the guy he was actually rooting for's dreams. But at the same time, you also have this story in the other in the other group where El Hio del Fantasma is obviously the Kaiser Soze of the mast crew. Oh yeah. They totally hit you over the head with that. And you got to turn him at some point, but do you turn him against Jake Atlas? Who's already been turned heel. So I, I, I think it's interesting, but I think, I think, yeah. Whoa, I think, whoa. Wait, what if, what if twist upon twist, the real leader, is Jake Atlas? Yes. <laughs> I love that. I want that now. That's, that's almost. Eho Del Fantasma is the lieutenant. The real leader is Jake Atlas. Oh, so they're in cahoots. I was thinking yeah. maybe, maybe 
Phantasm as the patsy. Oh, that would be, he actually, he's just not quite competent. He's, he's really been trying this whole time. He's really been trying this whole time. And the, and, and Jake Atlas's gang runs away at the first type of trouble to try and frame him. Either one like, of these is really good. Yeah. I'm, 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 oh God, here we are fantasy booking and I hate fantasy booking, but it's such a cool, cool little story to play with because they, 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 they run into these interesting little twists they could do. Like the Tucker story. God, no, you know, Tucker's, Tucker's going to be the guy they trade over to Raw for AJ Styles. You can just see that happening. But his part in this Otis Mandy thing, you're just going, God, they can do so many cool things with this. And, and they've stumbled upon something. And then the, 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 the writer, not necessarily the writer's room, but the ideas start to filter through the guy who has to make the call. And then you just go, hey, he's just going to go back and do what he likes to do. And then you remember that one of the foils in this is Dolph Ziggler and Sonya Deville, who are just the most slapdash foils for Mandy and Otis. Yeah, but I love Sonya Deville. I do. I, no, I mean, she's great, but I just don't think that there's any value added to this. And I mean, you really heard that with Cole on commentary this week. Hold on. You know what's going to happen in this triple threat, don't you? No, tell me. <laughs> Jake's going to try and screw Drake. Drake's going to try and win that Kashida's going to beat them both somehow. Or I still think it's Drake who's getting to the finals and then getting screwed over by Iho Del Fantasma. I'll take but, that. Yeah, but we'll, we'll see. So going back to the commentary for this, they were trying to describe this feud. And Michael Cole goes, this feud's got everything and proceeds to rattle off seven different adjectives Four of which are synonyms for one another. <laughs> Someone added a thesaurus out. Yeah, no, it's like bitterness, anger, contempt, jealousy, pettiness, cruelty. I'm like, oh, is that everything? Is that is that all of the things? Yeah, the only thing that would have made that better is bitterness, pettiness, cruelty. Turn page. <laughs> Arm bar. <laughs> Bar. <laughs> yeah, I uh God, yeah, no, there wasn't a lot on SmackDown other than that Bailey Charlotte match that I really, really liked. I mean, their storytelling, you know, their storytelling there for the Jeff Hardy one last run type thing, but eh. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the thing is, then we get to the match with Sheamus and it's like, you know, same old Sheamus. Yeah, I will yeah, say, pretty much doing the same stuff too. And just yeah, like, right. No, and, and and it's fine. Like Seamus when he beeled Hardy onto the table, that looked great. I, I was th even thinking watching the match. It's like these guys both look really great, and it's amazing. You know that, that they're still going at forty, um, and still turning in a pretty good performance. But there's just no intrigue whatsoever in the Seamus heel character for me. And one last run, Jeff Hardy is okay i suppose but i mean if you're a fan of jeff hardy at any level of intensity you'd really rather just see him over in AEW with matt yeah i'm um yeah i, I just it's weird to do the last gunfighter story or the aging gunfighter story but have them still do all the tricks they did when they were the young gunfighter <laughs> it, it, yeah, his match style was the exact same 
Jeff Hardy match style. Right. He's still, you know, he's still doing all the hits. And it's great that he can still do them. I mean, like, I was watching him do the Whisper of the Wind, and I, I'm just like, God, I wouldn't want to do one of those, let alone still be doing them at his age. Uh, it, like, no, it's awesome. He can still really go, and that's a, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But, he, you know, the aged thing, where you're rooting for the aged guy, is even a little bit harder when he's wearing all the face paint and stuff. You yeah, don't see I mean, the lines and the wrinkles and stuff. He looks kind of ageless. That's yeah, the, have, 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 have him do the will-o'-the-wisp occasionally so it's a big deal when he does. Oh, at his age, he can still do that. But, again, they want you to always be the same character you always were, and, and we can't evolve or anything. So it just becomes, all right, we got Jeff Hardy and Seamus here doing stuff. Well, and Hardy needs to spice it up, too. I mean, like, what we're talking about in terms of adjustment is, like, less, like, high-impact moves, and even, like, he doesn't need to do submissions. He's a babyface. I, I mean, it's, you know, clotheslines, punches, kicks, a little bit of, you know, throwing some knees, working in the corner a little bit more, staying on the ground a little bit more, staying on your feet a little bit more. Uh, yeah, just And making sure when you're doing something like the Will of the Wisp, like, that could be the one, two, three. I, I, I mean, I, I do think, you know, protecting some of the, some of the big, cool – High-flying moves, I think, is important. Chris, give me 15 minutes on this Shotzi Blackheart promo. <laughs> She's the worst, Jeff. She's the worst. This is, this is the worst. It's, it's horrible. My name is Shotzi Blackheart. I like riding a tank. You probably go to work in an Uber. Maybe you got a car and a car payment. I don't. You know why? Because I already paid off my tank, which I am taking anywhere I want to go. Sometimes cops show up, and they try to stop me in my tank, which I ride around in. But you know what? I've got a howitzer on this thing. So I blow it up, and then I drive off Grand Theft Auto style and find one of those stars underneath the bridge to get my star rating countdown. No, dude, it was like the worst promo in the world. It was grating. Here's a name. Show the tank. Here's another name. Show the tank. You know who I look up to? I look up to my dad. <laughs> like somehow you managed to take that and become annoying. Like just like the lead off of this episode. Obviously, we like dads. When you <laughs> like, do these things, you have to come in and okay, even if you tape a whole lot of footage, after that, when you're cutting it or whatever, go, okay, what is the point of the story that I'm telling right now? And why are people watching? This? Who is this person? Other yes. than like a, if you've never seen Tank Girl before, like I've seen Tank Girl, Hawkins, you've seen Tank Girl, right? 95, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, right, right. 1995, 25 years ago. Lori uh, Petty's I mean, magnum opus. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going back here. Uh, so if you've never seen Tank Girl or you're not familiar with Tank Girl, what are you supposed to get out of Shotzi Blackheart? What does she do? Why does she do it? Did her dad give her the tank? Like, what, what is going on here? You know who hasn't seen Tank Girl? Anybody under the age of 35. <laughs> yeah, like, unless it's making some uh, Zoomer, you know, 20-something resurgence that I'm not aware of here. It, it occupies punk rock culture. It occupies the same subcultures that it's always occupied. Punk rock, alt stuff. Um, and in a very niche sort of way, because it's a very sort of niche movie. Yeah, NXT was a bit of a grind for me this week because I just, uh, Mara was being heavy in the corporate speak, and I just, I, I just couldn't. We're on week two of Karrion Cross and Scarlet's act. Uh, 
it seems to have evolved away from lip syncing. I think that's mostly a positive. We're still doing Fifty Shades of Black vampire stuff. You know, there's a little lip syncing in there here and there. How is this working for you? I mean, it's fine. Karrion Cross does not have the oomph. Goldberg oomph thing that he needs to be a real, oh, wow, where did this come from sort of thing. And I think Scarlet's the bigger star of the two of them. Yeah, I... I... <laughs> you know how this company can be with with couples i'm i'm uh <laughs> jeff the man's first name is vulture with a yeah. k mm-hmm. and and so he's either gonna be carrying which which is vulture at some point or he's gonna be cross which are total lower mid-card heel names in this company right yeah, I'm. Uh, I, and I, I didn't. I, I didn't think very much of the uh, Tommaso Ciampa promo. It really didn't put. I mean, it, it kind of put over him, almost dismissing the entire gimmick type of thing. You know, it's which almost, is ridiculous because it's like everything's supposed to be moving through Johnny and Candice, and like when you watch the rest of the show, I mean, they they're moving a lot of stuff through Johnny and Candice. I thought Tommaso's character. Welcome to I, NXT. Here's a right. Game. Yeah. <laughs> Him doing that, I was like, this, this actually lowers. It's not him. That's right. Not it's also not him. Yeah, it's not his we character. Don't, we either. don't watch Tommaso Ciampa to, to, you know, there's, there, we don't watch him for subtlety. We watch him because he's an angry dude who kills people. And he doesn't just let stuff go. Yeah, he's not, he's not the type of guy to forgive and forget. I mean, first, cha- I mean, if Gargano had done this during the height of their feud, when, when, when Chapa's a heel or a babyface, he comes down with that crutch and whacks him over the head in the middle of whatever match he chooses. There's no foreplay here. At, at bare minimum, if he's going to walk away from the feud for now, what he should do is essentially just dangle out there. I'll be back to deal with this at some point. And you don't know where, you don't know when. And at some point, Johnny's having a match, and the finish can be Tommaso Ciampa comes out and just whacks the hell out of him with a crutch, and that's how Johnny loses the match at an important time. It looks like we have Gargano and and Candice pivoting over to Mia Yim and Keith Lee. Um, I'm still (laughs) – I have no idea what they want to do with Santana Garrett in this company. I don't – she checks all the boxes for them, and now she's gone from Wonder Woman cosplay to, to Zatanna cosplay just interesting i guess but uh so johnny and candace are smaller heels going up against bigger baby faces okay Um, yeah and and i think they're going to win because this is going to be the parlay for johnny to get his title match against keith lee yeah yeah I, i i'm i'm not there i think keith lee has been cooled down since having this title i i thought the the you know the just having him go over and over again with Dijakovic was, you know, it became almost rote. And then the, the Damien Priest character, there, there wasn't a lot to that feud either. So I just, I'm. No, it's, it's really uninspired. I, and I, you know, the shame is that I think that there's actually an interesting story going back to the thing that we liked with Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak. I think Mia Yim and Keith Lee as training partners is actually kind of fun. Like, they're just friends. And re- no, they're real-life couple. 
Oh, they're real life. But I would on screen. I'd just have them be training partners. Okay, that's fine too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like go like and and, it, and it's it just just to mix it up here, and it's like platonic, and like they they motivate each other. Whereas Johnny and Candace are like the psycho couple. Um, like that. Why that way. can't you do anything right? You burn the meatloaf, and now you don't get the tag. <laughs> yeah there's a lot like i i I don't know i i they there's there's good stuff there there's something there it's there's something there they haven't found it yet and i don't really see how tomaso champa fits into this nxt but the the real problem is that week to week feels increasingly like they're writing this shit i'm sorry this stuff week to week like they're not it doesn't feel like the nxt of two years ago where stuff was clearly booked from pay-per-view to pay-per-view a couple minor matches if you have any thoughts on birch and lurkin against ever rise no real thoughts here no real thoughts i mean i like that ever rise is getting a little bit more time a little bit more exposure moro this was this is one of those matches where Moro was really going like heavy on the Moroisms, uh, <laughs> dude. I just need him to call the match. I like. I sort of feel like he's been encouraged to do more of the pop culture references, and I'd rather him just like ease off of that and just call holds. But I think he thinks that the jokes are safer. There was a moment. I can't remember if it's at the very beginning or during this match where he's doing that string of references. You can almost hear a second where Beth is just going, how in the F am I supposed to follow that with anything? Of it was the little sense? Richard reference where the only thing she could come up with was, I bet you can't say wop, bop, a loo, bop, a wop, bam, wow, three times. <laughs> and like, then there's just this big pregnant pause on commentary. And Morrow's sitting there. He goes, a wop, bop, a loo, bop, a wop, bam, wow. And then we get into the next match. Roderick Strong and Dexter Loomis. <laughs> um, Dexter Loomis's character is weird. Uh, I, the music, I, I don't know why it's taking me this long. It's just like a knockoff of Stranger Things' theme, right? Yeah. Can, can I be the guy that is actually kind of interested in Dexter Loomis? What, what, give, give me give me the intrigue i know we're not supposed to fantasy book fantasy get me sell me on dexter loomis i'm not no i can't sell you on it because no you have to i demand it go i can't no i'm not no i i, I, I want to go i want you to i want to want to go he's i don't he's very good on the acting part of it i'm not saying is his ring work is is you know, is that NXT from a couple years ago worthy? But in terms of character work, that that stroking the hair thing, you know, while blood is trickling down his throat and he's just not giving an inch. The weird partnership with him and Velveteen Dream, who is still on TV, to much of our shocks. I don't know. There's something working for me about this, even though I think he should be a bodyguard character, pure and simple. But the creepy stalker character who is also playing bodyguard for Velveteen Dream is, is kind of weird. I, you know, the, 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 worst, the worst sin in that match was when Velveteen Dream came off the top turnbuckle and there's the obvious cut. That cut when, was when, so when, when, he, 
when he jumped onto a crash pad and then they reshot it from a different angle. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that it's was the, really. Bad. It's the Elias falling off of the tower spot. That's um, that like the, the Elias falling off of the tower spot was better. Uh, I thought that they did a better job with that than this. Like th- th- this, it felt like Velveteen Dream was just standing and just like faked an elbow drop from standing mm-hmm. position. They tried to edit it together. So I'll give you this. I think that all of the accidental blood in the Loomis matches have given the matches like some much needed, pun intended, juice. And I, I think it helps his character a lot. I, I think the pairing with Velveteen Dream beyond the outside of the ring stuff, even if, if that wasn't going on, it's a weird pairing. It wouldn't have been my first choice. You know what actually would be more fun? You know what would be a more fun pairing here? would be Tommaso Ciampa and Dexter Loomis. Ooh, I like that, yeah. Right? And is Loomis trying to be the psycho killer's friend? Is he not the friend? Are they going to hit it off and become a really good tag team? Can Tommaso Ciampa really trust this guy? Like, I just think that that's a more interesting character pairing than Velveteen Dream, who, like, one of the problems with this character is it doesn't really have a natural foil he doesn't have an ethos so you can't do a foil for him right yeah it's like it you know when you try to juxtapose it to the undisputed era it's not particularly interesting like his character and regardless how you feel about him just like what's the what's the struggle right like there's no ah oh that does seem like a little fun wrinkle or whatever and like if he goes up against johnny gargano what's the interesting wrinkle slash struggle with him and Candice and Johnny. Like, he's trying to steal Candice as the baby face when Johnny and Candice are supposed to be the super tight psycho couple. Like, that doesn't well, really make when sense. When it was a heel, it was, look, I'm, I'm, I'm eccentric, but I'm also a tough guy, and I'm coming after you. He was kind of doing the dandy type thing. Now as a baby face, it's crowd service for the 80s spots with Savage and Rude. And and that's that's but it's not an ethos. And, that, and that's actually kind of fun in a match sometimes, but it but you doesn't. Can't book you week, yeah, right. Story wise, it doesn't get you week to week. Mm-hmm. You can't have him fake being Randy Savage this week and next week have him fake being Mister Perfect. Too quick to go to a cage match between Riddle and uh, Thatcher. Yeah, I, I thought so. Um, but like the Riddle Thatcher thing, I mean, they, I thought that they've been hot shotting this whole thing. Everything too quick has been the running critique of this they, they're just rushing through some of these storylines like what what was what, what will thatcher do post this thatcher is joining imperium yeah on wednesday because they can't they don't have access to walter so they need a oh okay i think, I think that's right. what's gonna happen here I, and I, I, that, that does make some sense because walter can't come back from europe and who knows when when that travel is gonna happen they're gonna they're gonna make thatcher the the leader of Imperium, I think, in, in the meantime. Uh, and then finally, this Io Shirai Rhea Ripley match um, <laughs> built on <laughs> built, built on built on Rhea Ripley basically telling Io Shirai to shut up. Um, but it was a it was a fun little match while it lasted. But again, we we, we go into the we you have can't to build buy the into the match. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't buy into the stakes of the match. You you knew something was going to happen when you just look at the clock in your house. Like there's no way that they're finishing out this story. And then in comes Charlotte flair. And you know, this was, this was goofy. Uh, was it as goofy? Let me ask you this. 
compared to the finish of AEW this week where we're doing the little fight in uh, the football field? Which was goofier? Ooh. Because um... I thought the finish to AEW this week was goofy, too. Like, like for maybe maybe half the time it was on, but, like, the final several minutes of that, like, the final, like, four or five minutes. Like, like here's the spot where we jump off the stadium wall yeah, and stuff like right. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because, well, it's just because WWE always feels more contrived to me. So, I mean, it, it's weird. I, I think it's more or less a tie. More contrived than the Here's where we jump off the stadium wall. No, it, yeah, no, you're right. It, 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 but, I mean, they're different kinds of cutesy that that's a that's a we're, we're building for this big spot to do like like the uh theme park stunt show and this yeah, and one a little bit of that would have been fine but yeah. like a smidge of that and we're going off the air shivani's like oh we're out of time that's all we gotta do we'll see you in the bedroom and one of those mm-hmm. um, funny i prefer the nxt one i think overall though i mean sure. it, it but not by much they were both kind of pretty bad i thought yeah yeah for sure so we'll be watching at least sometime this weekend, probably uh, double or nothing. Toru Yano's birthday party in New Japan, 3 a.m. on Monday. I may have to wake up for that because <laughs> they will not be archiving that on the New Japan site. That's what they're saying. They're saying you have to watch that thing live. That's ridiculous. And I'm like, someone needs to wake up for me and tape that because oh I'm all about that. We're all about the Toru Yano here on Shake Them Ropes. Um. But Miz yeah. and Morrison having to do a one-on-one match against Braun Strowman is everything bad about WWE booking. I will say this. This week, in the setup to that Miz versus Braun Strowman match, Miz and Morrison were very funny and had very good com- comedy chemistry. They were funny after they got past the poop fart jokes. Yes, yeah, right, right. When, when it was just when they were actually just doing basic character work. Yes, where when, 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 Miz, when Miz had to turn a friend saying my friend can totally kick your ass and Miz is like oh ew, <laughs> not so sure about that yeah when Miz is like playing, that's yeah when Miz is playing straight man and going no don't stop no and just the, just the defeated oh man <laughs> whatever it was <laughs> it's like you got yourself a match oh come on <laughs> yeah. yeah whatever that like, reaction was it was so that, natural no, it was it was natural. Morrison was very funny in that too, and like that was a real step in the right direction. And then it was like, oh yeah, well, we're gonna have a two on one match against you, and like whatever intrigue you put into this Miz and Morrison team now, it's gone. Or they're gonna beat Braun Strowman and be half champions. I think they, you know, what would be perfect though, and I was thinking about this. If they beat Braun by chicanery and their only chance for like 20 seconds because Otis comes in and cashes in on him. Oh, that would make sense. You could have them be the half champion and then Otis cashes in. Yeah. Okay. Maybe they're celebrating. Braun destroys them. Otis cashes in. Otis is the champ for, you know, two or three months. Okay. And Braun turns heel. Otis beats Braun in the first match. Okay, he could do that, I guess. <laughs> well, he's probably going to want his title back. I, I mean, after Braun loses with the briefcase and everything. No, Braun just wants to entertain people, Chris. He doesn't, he's not interested in titles and money. He's just here to put smiles on people's faces. But he knows what Otis is up to. He's been money in the bank briefcase holder. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you're talking to a veteran here. Oh, 
Rest in peace, Larry. You can follow me at Crab Game 13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show, just the show, at Shake Them Ropes. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting family, including the flagship with Joe Lanza and Rich Krejci. Open the voice gate, Wrestling Omakaze, the five-star wrestling quiz show. I think there's another quiz show we put on there. Everything Elite, uh, Music of the Mat with our friend Andrew Rich, who does a great job there. Just dropped another episode this week. We have a whole plethora of wrestling podcasts, but uh, out of the two of us, the only one who doesn't do, uh, I can't word this, Chris doesn't do all wrestling podcasts. He has other interests like a well-rounded person should. He's going to plug his interests now. You, you told me a few years ago that I needed to diversify my interests. And one thing I will say did is I tell that- you that? You did. We had a conversation like, uh, so like you were, we were fighting and, and you got mad at me and you told me that I needed to have more interests and more hobbies or whatever. I and you were totally right. I, I actually, I needed to do so. Um, it's like, I'm into <laughs> cooking and stuff and you know, deep space nine, which you hate me for now, but I, I like, I other things. For it. no, you hate it. You hate me for it. Um, it's the worst and it hurts my feelings and, uh, but I'm okay. Uh, but I do these other podcasts too. Your interest um, in cats is what disturbs me more than anything. So, these cats are wonderful, They're especially horrible. little Yuffie. She's she's wonderful. Shadow just needs to stop eating wires because it costs me money, um, and it's sad. It's it, I mean, he's not eating them and ingesting them, but he just chews through stuff, and it's bad. And I wish he wouldn't do that. Podcasts, podcasts, podcasts at DWATG. Don't worry about the government. Patreon.com slash DWATG. We just recently had a debate. Who is the bigger joke? the Libertarian Party, or the Green Party. Stuff has developed since then. We may rerun it, and people will switch sides. Like, like a, a debate's so nice, we might have it twice, so you'll have to at least listen to the first one before you hear the rematch. Go and check that out at don'tworry.tv. My other show, the All in the Family podcast, available archivally. We'll be doing more episodes sporadically here, but it's just, it, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. We're coming in, in and I get the band back together. We haven't fully broken up, but, you know, we're not putting out stuff as much as it, we used to. But, but, you know, everything's cool. We're just doing other things, working on other projects. Allinthefamilypodcast.com is where that hangs out. You can also find that on iTunes and Stitcher. I'm at Chris, C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. Rest in peace, Larry. Rest in peace, Larry.